Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a retired deputy sheriff. His career was cut short by one of the most common injuries in law enforcement. And he's here to talk about simple things that agencies can do to prevent these injuries and save their communities hundreds of thousands of dollars. Plus, his inside view into law enforcement will break many commonly held stereotypes and myths. And he's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from California, we have retired Deputy Sheriff Travis T.J. Miller on the phone. Travis, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Jay. I appreciate you having me. It is a pleasure to have you on the Law Enforcement Today show. Uh, you are retired Deputy Sheriff, correct? Yeah, you know, I'm actually resigned. Uh, I started the retirement process, but moved on for uh, other reasons, but yes. This is this, it's a weird scenario, and we'll explain why in a moment. There's a hierarchy. Now, there's very few things I'll correct people on, and I'm retired Baltimore police sergeant, and my wife knows this well. If someone says I'm ex-police, I, I, I will correct them. I'll say, no, I'm retired. Then there's former. There's people that left for whatever reasons. Some of them I feel they can call themselves retired. It's not necessary whether they get a pension or not. And X, in my opinion, from what I've always been taught, is someone who was either forced to resign or was fired. Uh, so if you want to say you you resigned, that that's cool. I'd rather use the term retired if that's all right with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, thankfully one day I will get to retire. But for, for the moment, I'm a former law enforcement officer. But I, I hear what you're saying. I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad you clarified that. And we're going to get into the reasons why. Your career was cut short by injury. And it's not an injury that is, you know, sexy that, the, you know, Hollywood plays up gun battles and horrific car chases and, you know, all that stuff. You fell victim to one of the most common injuries in law enforcement what was that yeah so no it's not glorious i mean the injury happened lifting up a gear bag that every patrol officer in the country has in the trunk of their car you know it was nothing exciting but what happened from that is uh, i extruded a disc in my in my lower back um uh, that's the injury 
And that's a very common, it's one of the most common injuries that, that we have low back injuries cause the end or premature end of so many careers. And we always say, for example, and I think no things are different now, but imagine having 20 to 30 pounds around your waist of extra weight and carrying it all day. And then we used to wear those heavy duty woolen reefers in the wintertime, which add another 10 pounds if they weren't wet. Uh, so you could easily in the wintertime weigh 40 pounds more than you did without all the police gear on. Yeah, easily. I mean, I mean, through all of the depositions and everything I went in after the fact, I, th- I think the attorneys finally decided on it was 25 to 35 pounds that we carry on us. But, you know, that doesn't account for all of the other uh, aspects of weight in the job. You know, we, we carry people, we carry things, we have bags that we take in and out of cars, we have a lot of equipment we carry around. I mean, the there's lots of different aspects of it, but yeah, the weight we wear on our body, uh, especially around a, a belt on our hips, is a, it's a lot of weight in an awkward place, and it, it's not doing any favors for, for making our backs more healthy, for sure. Another thing, too, is spending so much of your time seated in a car and then getting out quickly or having to get out or run after someone uh, or having a car accident, and it could be minor fender benders, but all those things take a toll over a period of time. And I don't have the statistics in front of me, but almost everyone I know, myself included, uh, has a bad back that's worked in law enforcement. Mine is, thank goodness, is muscular. I don't have uh, the advanced disc issues that you had, but it's very, very common. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people really appreciate the awkwardness of uh, what we wear and what we do. I mean, for example, in my personal life, I don't put my wallet in my back pocket because then you're sitting awkwardly and it's going to shift that hip up and you're going to scrape your back. So I keep it in my front pocket. Well, now put two handcuff cases on your backside or your radio sticking out or your duty weapon on the other side making you sit kind of in an awkward position. You're, you're doing that every single shift for 12 hours a day. Uh, it's it's not a, uh, like I say, it, it's not doing your back any favors. Certainly not. And also, I've, I've talked to other first responders, our firefighter brothers and sisters, and corrections officers, and, and dispatchers as well, and they have similar issues. So this is not uncommon. And before someone goes, hey, I want to hear about crazy, wild gunfire and stuff, not all of, as a matter of fact, the vast majority of law enforcement the, the daily grind has very little to do with that, almost nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the truth of the matter, and it's, it's kind of a hard thing for people to wrap their head around. You know, even people that are close to me in my life uh, that want to hear stories, or even, even my kids, for example, you know, they want to know about the excitement of what happened. And, and granted, that does happen, but it, it's such a 1% of the time. The reality is, is, you know, we're communicators 90% of the rest of the time. Um, we're authors the rest of the time. It's, you know, I've wrote more reports than I've wrestled people. And um, it, it, it's something hard, I think, for the public to, to grasp what we actually do, because what they expect we're doing or what they assume we're doing, what they see in the media, uh, you know, what they see in the movies portrays such, a, such an exciting a drastic difference. And really, the best way I've, I've heard it put is uh, police work can be best be described as countless hours of boredom and monotony and then moments, seconds of life and death battle. And you can go from zero to the resting state to in a fight for your life within a matter of moments and then back. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. You know, we'll, we'll drive through the neighborhoods now and we'll see the two patrol cars parked, you know, opposite directions. So the two deputies on the driver's side are sitting next to each other, pro- probably talking about what they want for dinner. But, you know, I drive by and the wife always asks me now, oh, what are they talking about? Is something going on? It's like, no, they're probably deciding what they wanted in and out. You know, they're, yeah, they're yeah. just in there having a, having a rest. <laughs> it's, it is, it's so funny because uh, the media just really loves to exaggerate certain aspects of the job and then minimize the other part basically start to finish bird's eye view give us your law enforcement career from start to finish yeah so i I was hired on with the ventura county sheriff's department um and obviously um started in the jail so the way the sheriff's department out here works i was hired as a provisional deputy so i actually got to work in the jail as a deputy um sworn in as a provisional deputy before i even went to the academy so then I was demoted to a trainee, went to the academy, uh, and then once I graduated, I went back to the jails. Um, I got to work in our security and placement unit at the jail, doing gang classifications and housing issues. Uh, and then I worked in the courts. Uh, I did both security in the courts, and then I worked as a bailiff for uh, a superior court judge. Uh, from there, I moved on to patrol in one of our contract cities, uh, worked as a beat officer there for a while. Uh, then transferred to my hometown and had the opportunity to work as a beat deputy as a cover car uh, in patrol in my home city. From there, I went into a uh, traffic investigation, um, ended up making a lot of DUI arrests as a patrol officer, so the traffic unit in one of our contract cities uh, kind of put their attention on me, and uh, that's where I ended my career. That's where my injury happened. All right, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with Travis T.J. Miller, retired, uh, he'll say former, Deputy Sheriff, this is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 
Call right now. That number again is 800-280-9435. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677. Get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. Back to our conversation with Travis T.J. Miller on the Law Enforcement Today show. Uh, so you talked about your career in law enforcement, Ventura County, California Sheriff's Department. Uh, about how many years was it total, start to finish? Um, I was hired on in 2006, and then I ended up resigning in 2017. So about, about 11 years. About 11 years. And when you say resigning, you got hurt on the job. And you got hurt in a, a manner that happens quite often. In all honesty, there were people like me that would sit there and scoff when we hear about people getting injured, picking up a bag, or moving a file cabinet. And the truth is, it's so common, it happens so often, but it's also so preventable. And there's some major factors that go into the amount of back injuries in law enforcement. What are a few of those, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, from my own personal experience, I think it's what we were talking about earlier. I think it's the constant abnormal posture um, or the abnormal amount of weight distribution uh, with the gear we carry, you know, it, it, I, I can guarantee you it's not doing any favors for your back. So to me, that tells me it's doing the opposite, right? So it wasn't this dramatic fight where I fell or was hurt that injured my back. It was simply picking up a bag. Now, if I hadn't have had the years of wearing the belt and the years of the fights that I had been in and the years of all of the sitting in the patrol car, et cetera, would the injury have been preventable? I, I, who knows? I, I like to think so. But what I am sure of is that day, you know, I was a healthy, strong, active guy picking up a bag that I picked up every single day uh, should not have changed my life the way it did. Uh, But it did. Uh, And I attribute that and everybody attributes that to the wear and tear our backs go through doing what we do. And one of the things that I keep hearing about is, and there's something we didn't have back when I was on the job, is these weight-bearing vests where they start distributing a lot of the different stuff away from your midsection, away from your hips, and, and carrying it on almost across your whole upper torso. Is that what you guys were issued or, or no? No, 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 but that's a great point. So our, our department wears the, you know, the standard Sam Brown around, around the waist, around the hips, uh, and pretty much everything goes on there. Our guns, our tasers, our cuffs, our recorders, I mean, everything. Um, but there are other departments in the state of California that wear those kind of center mass vests. Our tactical teams wear a quasi version of that. Um, I, I, I don't get the reason why we're not doing that to, to simply prevent these injuries that keep coming up. 
And, you know, from my own personal opinion, I think it's the look, right? People are used to seeing this black leather belt around a cop's waist. And to all of a sudden now put that on a vest, I, I think it's the public perception is why the departments are afraid to kind of transition to that more and more. But my department is Sam Brown around the waist. I think many of them have an issue of what they think they'll per- be perceived as, because we always hear the talk of militarization of our police departments and people objecting to it that don't have an understanding of why they have certain things. And I remember the North Hollywood bank robbery shootout back in the days before officers had patrol rifles, ARs. And I remember watching videos of that and these officers having to go into gun stores and try to get weapons out of there so they could be equally armed. And they're going against heavily trained, heavily armed, heavily fortified opponents who are willing to take as many lives as possible. Yeah, I, I mean, the whole militarization, let's just say buzz, buzzword or buzz conversations, I mean, it's, it's such a bad argument to me. We are spending millions and millions of dollars, and, and the, the personal impact on these officers' lives, on my life, is so life-changing. Let's at least take some steps to change it. You know, we, we carry assault rifles, and there's a lot of the public that doesn't like that. My assault rifle was a former Vietnam assault rifle, the one that was assigned to me. I mean, we have these military-style weapons. I, I get the impression. You know, I can kind of see both sides of the argument, but what people aren't factoring into those conversations is this couldn't prevent a boatload of injuries. And along with those injuries, what they should care about is the money. What we should care about is our personal lives that you know are dramatically changed as a result of the injuries. And one of the points you brought up is, we'll, we'll talk about the money in just a moment, because this is costing our communities hundreds of thousands of dollars a year uh, for injured officers who can no longer do the job. The other part is... Everywhere across the United States, they're having recruiting and retention problems. They're having a hard time getting law enforcement officers on the job. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to find a couple applicants to get them through the academy, to get them on the street, and then have half of them leave within a matter of years. So you have someone in your position, let's just say he's got 10 years on the job, is a seasoned veteran. These are the people who are most proficient, who really know how to do policing in the community aspects. And our community is deserve that high quality of law enforcement officer and they deserve people that are going to teach and pass down those lessons but if we can't protect them if we can't keep them healthy we're not going to have them around and that's a waste yeah no it absolutely is i mean the 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 way we were introduced through that story i had wrote online i titled that goodness and integrity you know for a lot of reasons um and my kind of personal motivation in that is I want to be known as a good person, right? Yeah. I want to maintain my integrity through any situation. And, and the way I practically apply that, especially in a scenario like the retirement process that I had to go through, the legal battle I had to go through, you know, my family was always paramount to me. I have a brother in law enforcement. You know, that was always paramount to me. My father's resi- or retired from law enforcement. That's always paramount to me. You know, I, I, I made a point to focus on the people, not just my family, but the friends I worked with and the people that were impacted uh, by what happened to me. It is the complete opposite of that from the way that people are looking at this. They are looking at it from a dollars and cents with such a narrow view. I mean, you're right. The amount of money that we spend on recruiting, uh, it's absurd. If we could get better at retaining our people, uh, that amount of money would uh, 
or could be better used to to buy all the center mass vests we were Absolutely. talking about amongst other things. And make the careers longer. And one of the nice things about living in America, and not every country has this, and people may not consider it. If you have an emergency at your home, you can pick almost anywhere in the United States, maybe parts of Alaska you can't, because uh, help is a long ways away. But you can pick the phone, you can call 911 if your child is having a health emergency or someone's breaking in or there's a violent scenario going on. And within moments or minutes, they'll be helped there. And we really want our first responders, our law enforcement officers, our firefighters, our EMTs to be the best fo- possible mental and physical shape they can be in because they deserve it and our communities deserve it that's right and i mean not to not to pat myself on the back but you know i am the person you want out there you know i was an athletic guy but what drove me to law enforcement was a was a heart for service and and i don't say that you know arrogantly or or to sound cliche i i really mean that like i really love serving people and yeah you know what i was also great at jujitsu and i was also great at report writing and i was also great at shooting and all of these other things that come together in this profession but but really i am a good person and i really enjoyed serving people that's the person you want on the streets. That's the person you want showing up at your house Absolutely. in, in your, your, your worst moment. Absolutely. Uh, to allow an injury, uh, well, you know, more to the story, but to allow what happened to me to happen to anyone else, it's a travesty. I mean, I should be doing what I love doing and what I'm capable of doing in just a different way now. Absolutely. And you, you hit a good point. And I'll be honest, the vast majority of people I've met and i worked with in law enforcement were the best people I've ever met in my life. And uh, they all changed. They all had injuries, physical, mental, emotional injuries after a period of time on the job. But most of the people I knew, it was a vocation for them, a real calling. Yeah, I mean, people, <laughs> especially here in Southern California, think you get into it for a good income. Uh, I, you know, I had a better income than before I was a deputy, uh, and I have a better income now that I'm not a deputy. Uh, it's it's definitely not a job you do for the money. Uh, you, you know, to think of a Christmas that I was home when I was a deputy, like, I, I can't even think of one. I used to think of family dinners around the table. I, it was so rare. Uh, you know, the wife sleeping alone at bed through six months of night shift. You know, you do not sign up for these things for a big paycheck. You no, sign no. up for these things because you have a heart of service and, and you're, you're inspired uh, to do this job. And that really is, and it sounds cliche, and it sounds corny. A lot of people love to make fun of the whole protect and serve thing. But I remember being a rookie before I got hired, actually, and having the interview, and they asked, why do you want to be a police? And for me, I at first I thought I wanted to be a priest, but celibacy was not my calling, and police work came shortly after that. And it was the typical scenarios, listen, I want to do something to help the people in my community, and you guys are hiring, and a lot of other places weren't at the time. And, and they're like, well, that's an honest answer. But that's the way most people were. They really wanted to do yeah. this job. Yeah, I, it, you're, you're spot on. You know, things come to mind. You know, the memories I have of my law enforcement career, the ones that burn in my mind are, you know, the, the little kids with tears in their eyes when mom and dad are in an argument and, you know, being able to, to get that kid aside and have a good chat with them, play Angry Birds with them, whatever the case may be, why my partner's talking with the others. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's those little tiny moments where I felt so fulfilled in just simply being a good person and being there and doing my job was so impactful in a person's life. 
We are talking with Travis T.J. Miller. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. So many people ask me, how did I transition from police work to a career in radio? What did I do to become a music radio DJ? Plus host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. The answer is simple. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting's 11 East Coast campuses, students have learned by doing for 55 years. Radio, television, podcasting, and now coding for web development. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. Day and evening classes are available. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting is perfect for those graduating from high school, adults looking for new career training, first responders, and veterans, too. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting has locations in Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, and North Carolina. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, training in audio-video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. What are you waiting for? Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. That's 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. Again, 800-887-2346 and online at gocsb.com. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Back to the conversation with Travis Miller, retired, former. Uh, That whole conversation is up to dispute. Uh, It depends on his, his perception. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're talking about your career in law enforcement, Ventura County Sheriff's Department. And let's get right to the chase. You were hurt on the job. You hurt your back. It's a lifelong injury. And going through retirement process, it's very up in the air in most agencies. My, my experience was I had no idea whether they're going to fire me, make me quit, uh, or I get the retirement. I eventually got the retirement. Yours was not the case. What happened with you? Yeah, so, I mean, it really is a process of unknowns, um, which living in it creates so much stress and anxiety. Uh, unless you've been there, you have no idea 
Um, you know, immediately after the injury, you just kind of start the process of, you know, reporting it to HR and seeing the doctor and figuring out what's going on. And, you know, things are scheduled, right? So you get an MRI and then you go visit the, the orthopedic specialist and then you start some physical therapy and you set your follow-up appointment. It's just this process. But once all of that turns into you're permanently disabled from the doctor's point of view, it turns into a legal process and attorneys start to jump in and that, that's when things really um, became stressful. When I was a young policeman, and I'm, I know a lot of people were shocked to, to hear that I had to fight tooth and nail with lawyers to get my pension. We were always heard, you know, if something happens to you, we've got your back, we'll take care of you, we'll take care of your family. And what I didn't realize is that the departments will do that the best they can. Once the decision's made that you need to retire by your doctors and lawyers and all that, it's no longer the department, it's in the county or the state or the city government that's involved, and the accountants and the bean counters, and it becomes a totally different scenario, and it's very adversarial. Yeah, and that's that's my experience. I mean, immediately from when the doctor said, you know, this is a permanent injury, and here's your more or less lifelong work restrictions, uh, all of a sudden, you know, things change. The department gets involved. Uh, they want to talk about, well, is there a reassignment within the county? Well, they offered me helicopter pilot, biologist, and, you know, blood pathologist, none of which I'm qualified to do. So there wasn't much options there. There was a dispatcher, but uh, you do not want a uh, disgruntled former uh, deputy on the line and 911 scenarios. I, I mean, there was literally nothing uh, to accommodate what those restrictions were. And these are very simple work restrictions. You know, I, you would not know I was injured except for the fact I told you. Um, I walk normally, I talk normally, I sit at a computer and work normally. I can't run very fast anymore, and I can't wrestle people without really screwing up my back. That's it. There are so many aspects of law enforcement that could benefit from skill sets that I have that just were not an option to me. The department, you know, they're not even willing to talk about it. And then through the retirement process, through the county and the retirement board, they don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a world-class rocket scientist. They don't, they don't care. What they care about is making sure that they're not going to pay you the retirement for the rest of your life, it, especially as at the time I was in my early 30s. They look at that as a massive check, and what they care about is how can we not get that check. And attorneys have ways of uh, twisting words and finding things that, although the doctor made it very explicit, they completely changed it and put this argument behind it. I remember reading the, the qualified medical examiner's report about my permanent work restrictions, and he talks about um, an, an invasive surgery or an invasive uh, injection. Well, then the attorneys completely turn it around and they say, oh, it's non-invasive. It's, it's a safe procedure. And the attorneys have it in their mind that they're smarter than these three doctors I had seen, smarter than, smarter than you, smarter than me, smarter than everybody. Uh, it, it's absolutely absurd to me. It is. And there's so many people like you that have all this experience that maybe can't do full duty through these injuries that could be used very, very well and very effectively in other aspects of law enforcement, uh, investigations, detective. Uh, unlike television, a lot of detectives don't get into the rough and tumble stuff that you see. That's generally patrol. That's generally the uniformed officers. It's not the people. That, they're there after the fact. 
And some of the most difficult, challenging parts of police work that I've ever met or ever seen, uh, for example, are detectives that do with child sex abuse and child uh, violence against children from families. I don't know how they do it, but people that are experienced officers need to be in those positions. And people like you, I don't know why they couldn't make that available. Yeah, it's crazy to me. I mean, not to not to toot my own horn too much, especially on the radio. It's kind of awkward, but you know, I'm a smart guy. Uh, I'm very talented when it comes to computers, technology, softwares. I built my first computer out of scraps from a dumpster when the school upgraded their old computers. You know, I, I started hacking into my friend's computers when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. I, I mean, there's so many skill sets that I have that could be put to use on the law enforcement side. You know, now I, I lead our, the business I work for now, I lead our marketing and technology. And we'll put out an advertisement, and I'll target that advertisement to the exact audience I want to put that ad in front of using software tools, right? Well, we do the same thing in law enforcement, right? We're just trying to find the bad guys. And I'm extremely talented and good at that type of stuff. But because I can't wrestle people, it's not even an option for me. The department didn't even want to have the conversation let alone um, make it happen. Did you ever feel that, I don't know how to put this, I'll put it in my own scenario. I was involved in arresting a guy that was driving a stolen car, had a bunch of crack cocaine in the car, and during the arrest, I was trying to reholster my service revolver. That's how long ago it was. And he broke bad, got a hold of it, and tried to shoot me in the face with the weapon. So over the course of the fight over control of the gun, no one was shot. He was fine. I was fine. I wound up having what felt like a sprained wrist. And then it started to generate, get worse and worse. And after multiple surgeries, two big steel plates, a bunch of screws, total fusion in the right wrist and lower right thumb, they retired me at the age of 33. And at times, I feel like my injury doesn't measure up to what others went through that had catastrophic injuries. Do you ever feel that way? Yeah, yeah, you feel insignificant at times. Like I say, you you will not know I'm hurt uh, if if I don't tell you, right? Um, if you don't know me really personally, you know I've I've had former partners that have died in the line of service. Uh, for me to have this small little back injury, uh, especially with the details of of you know the treatment I had, and I you know I've never had a surgery, uh, nor do the doctors think I need one. I haven't had a fusion, uh, and hopefully you know I, I won't need one. You know to compare that against some of the tragic things that happened to our partners, it, it makes me feel really insignificant. Yeah. Um, but it, it also it also highlights to me. That is such a, a black and white dogmatic way of looking at injuries where the departments are, in my opinion, are very, very good at being there for families uh, when, um, you know, our friends die in the line of service. Yeah. They are absent. And I mean completely absent when you have a minor back injury that is uh, potentially going to end your career. That needs to change. There, there's gray in life. There's a lot <laughs> of police it. officers. We've we've got the we've got the spirit of the law, and thankfully most of us put it to use outside of the letter of the law. Uh, you know, we we have our discretion. I don't understand how departments, how counties, have have cities, how they've lost their discretion um, when it comes to the the injury process and you're not alone we have just heard on law enforcement today show we've had so many episodes uh, of 
across the United States, East Coast, uh, Midwest, Upper Midwest, California, of officers who are catastrophically injured uh, in shootouts and being stabbed and horrific car accidents. And almost inevitably, almost every one of them said they were treated horribly by their departments. And once workers' compensation and a city or county state got involved, it was just a travesty. And unfortunately, it happens all the time. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677 get your free starter kit until 500 are gone you'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk largely tax-free and get 90 percent of the work done for you for pennies that's 800-956-0677 800-956-0677 again 800-956-0677 that's 800-956-0677 Attention to anyone that's written a book or wants to write a book. The process is not that complicated. Take a first step. Even if you write a page a day, you'll build momentum and your book will become a reality. The hard part is getting it published. That's when you need to call Page Publishing. They've got hundreds and hundreds of thank yous from different new authors, just like you. They make the process of publishing your new book and getting it sold online a simple process. You can learn how simple it is right now by calling for your free page publishing new author submission kit one quick three-minute phone call that's all it takes to get free information and learn how you can get your book published pick up your phone right now and call us 24 hours a day at this number 800-589-1848 800-589-1848 800-589-1848 that's 800-589-1848 Back to our conversation with Travis T.J. Miller on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Travis was a Ventura County, California Sheriff's Deputy. You said you resigned due to a line of duty injury. Are you still in the process of trying to get your retirement, or is that pretty much like I've moved on? No, you know what? I've moved on. Uh, we, we went through this process for almost three years, and about two years in, I mean, we, listen, we lost our home through this. We had um, all of our stuff put into storage. We were living with family. We had our life completely flipped upside down. When, you, when you're not getting a paycheck anymore, and when you don't get benefits because the doctor said you're permanently disabled, even though they're arguing you're temporarily disabled, you don't get money. You don't get a paycheck. You can't buy groceries. And on top of that, as a sworn peace officer, you're not allowed to have secondary employment. Right. Um, that would be against my department's general orders, and it, it, it wasn't going to happen. So here I am, not allowed to work, not getting a paycheck. Uh, my family's life changed. That was the motivation and the decision to resign. I don't care about the retirement money. I care about moving on with my life and providing for my family. I thought when I would be retired that I'd be an easy street. And the truth is, financially, and you hit some good points. 
you make about 75% or 65% of what you made on the job, which most of us worked a lot of overtime, secondary employments, court appearances, whatever it might be, and you got used to that extra income. So to lose your overtime, then lose all this other, so let's say 35% of your income is a sizable amount. Then factor into that, what winds up happening is once you retired, at least in my agency, our health insurance tripled. So it became a third of my pension. So there are people I know at this moment who who were are in wheelchairs, who can't work like I do, who have all these skill sets that I didn't know I had. And at the end of every month, they don't they don't know if they can eat because the pension is so bad. So in in a way, you and me and people like us are very very lucky because what we found, I found that a lot of things I learned in law enforcement, a lot of skill sets I developed really carry over into the civilian side, the business side. Yeah, no, it absolutely does, and it's it's proven true in my life, too. I mean, once I was given the right to work, you know, I, I applied for a handful of jobs and, you know, thankfully got an interview. To me, it was, I need to prove, I need to show whatever company is willing to take a chance on this hurt deputy. Uh, whoever's willing to take that chance, I, I'm going to quickly prove to them. Uh, that I am capable of a lot of different things. And, I mean, I, I was making a third of what I was making on the department when I first got hired, and, and, and now I make almost double of what I was making because I was able to prove that not only the skill sets I had before on the technology and software side, but using those in combination with the skill sets and the training I had in law enforcement, it is extremely valuable in the business world. You know, we think about all of the reports that we write. I, I, you know, for everybody listening, we write hundreds, thousands of reports. We write more than we walk. Uh, we are extremely talented writers. Well, in a business world, that can be used, like I use it in marketing, like copywriting, right? It can be used on the operations side of our business for policies and procedures that we need to author. Um, we do a lot of investigative work, whether you're actually assigned in an investigative unit or whether you're just conducting an investigation out on patrol. I mean, we, we do investigations of all scale. Well, in business, I, I call that market research, you know, and, and I use those skill sets still to this day, and they only make me exponentially uh, more valuable to the company I work for now. I mean, I went from being an entry-level employee in this company uh, to now three and a half years into it, I'm the chief operating officer thanks to uh, my ability to apply the training and the skill sets that I had in my law enforcement career on top of the marketing experience that I had prior to. When I retired from law enforcement, a few years later, I started pursuing a career in radio. So I had the Law Enforcement Today talk show, but I also do music radio for FM stations. And in particular, one of my bosses will always say, hey, I don't want to stress you out. I don't put too much on your plate. I'm worried. I'm worried. Listen, I said to him one day, you're not shooting at me. You're not trying to stab me. There's nothing you can do in radio that is going to compare to what I've been through. And that's just one of the things I found that people have a stereotype in their mind about law enforcement officers that this is what they're good at and we carry that around too that i'm not good at anything else and what do i do now have you found that to be the case in your career after law enforcement yeah no it's funny you say that anytime we're in a stressful environment uh you know here at work canal (laughs) you know i always like to break the stress or the awkward you know frustrating silent pause look nobody's shooting at us today everything's going to be okay and you know, thankfully in my career, I was never shot at as a deputy either. But, but yeah, I, I do. You know, I still have a lot of friends in law enforcement. As I, as I mentioned, my brother's still in law enforcement, and 
I can't tell you how many times I hear this story of, ah, you know, I really, I hurt my wrist. I fell during training. It's really bothering me. I just don't want to say anything because I'm afraid of what happened. Well, then as that goes on, it turns into, you know, oh, I'm terrified. What what am I going to do if if I can't be a cop anymore? You know, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How am I going to make money? You know, there's so much fear behind not being able to, to transition the skill sets that we're so confident in as a law enforcement officer into a business environment. And, and I guess what I want to encourage to anybody listening that, that's in that position or been in that position or fearing that position, uh, it, it really does cross over. Um, you know, we in business, when I'm looking to hire somebody, I, I care more about that person's character, more, pers- more about that person's integrity than can they use this computer software tool, right? That can be trained. Right. Just like in law enforcement, I never shot a gun before I was a deputy, before I was in the academy. And I, I you know, that's probably somewhat unique to get into no, the career. No, I was but, the same way. I'd well, never even handled a pistol. Before I yeah, got into the police academy. Once you, go through the, once you go through the training, you know, I was a very talented shot after the fact. It's the same in business, you know. You have so many skill sets you don't even realize are valuable and applicable in business. The softwares and the other tools in business, that's, that's just something that's easily trained. It's more the... It's more the mental strength and understanding that, that, that you can do this. Uh, and it's going to be a value, significant value uh, to a business. And one of the things I always use an example is for law enforcement officers in particular, uh, sales. They've been involved in sales and selling options <laughs> to people, people who don't want to cooperate. Let's say a, a drunken disorderly called domestic family disturbance, whatever it might be that you you wind up giving the person options and i'll break it down in simplest terms this guy we'll call him joe blow he doesn't want to leave he doesn't want to chill out he wants to create a scene and we say listen joe it's friday night here's your options i can haul you off to jail or you can leave for a few hours or go spend the night somewhere else and then have a pleasant weekend and enjoy yourself and do what you want to do and by the way if you don't do that and i have to arrest you i'll call for backup if you decide to fight me and it'll be 15 police here in a matter of minutes so what do you want to do those are your options and that's basically sales 101 yeah, no, it absolutely is. I mean, I think sales is the perfect example. You, deputies are constantly selling, like you just described. I, but to me, it's more the it's more the tool of communication, right? How much training do we have on how to talk to people, right? We have whatever t- tactical conversation classes and and all of this training we get on how to communicate with people, uh, whether it's sales or marketing or business strategy or business development. That tool of communication is anyone's most valuable asset, as whether they're in law enforcement and want to grow in their law enforcement career, or whether they're transitioning out of law enforcement and want to grow in a business environment. All of the training and skill sets we have there, the experience, the most most heated uh, times in a person's life, we are that mellow, even-keeled communicator. It's such a, a skill set. And we would be that even-keeled communicator, that, that problem solver, that salesman. When, when someone calls the police because they're having a bad problem, a bad situation, whatever it might be, family disturbance is a great example. Our communities never had it so good in America. Uh, now we have so many officers that speak multiple languages, that have college degrees, that have a multitude of skill sets, and they all carry these worthwhile skill sets. Is there a way that we can get people to understand and comprehend just how well-equipped and how fortunate they are to have these people working for them? 
Uh, I think this is a great way to end the conversation. And again, it's why I titled that, that post that I shared with you, Goodness and Integrity. It is about people. It's not about a process. It's not about a dollar. It's not about statistics. It is about people. And if departments can get back to thinking about the person, the personal impact it's going to have on them and their family, that's how we're going to be able to communicate this. You know, everybody thinks that they're just a role in it. I uh, use the example of my personal scenario. I had a personal relationship with the sheriff in our county. He was a long-standing family friend. Through this process, he was absent. And yeah, his say is not the end-all sale when it comes to an injury process that involves state law, federal law, the county retirement board, et cetera, et cetera. But he is a part of the process. And if people are going to remain absent during the process, it is never, ever going to change. If people can actually remember, hey, TJ's a person. He's got a wife and two kids, and he just lost his home. Man, he's in a world of hurt. I should be there to at least say hi to him. You know, until we can get to the place where we're willing to say hi to one another during this process, uh, we're in a world of hurt. But I, I really hope that um, this conversation and more help initiate some change. I think it will. Travis TJ Miller, thanks so much for coming on the show. Very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you, Jay. It's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya. Yeah.